Welcome back to the Effort of Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, the team from NC Fit, Matt De La Valle, and Gabe Yanez are on for our weekly episode where we talk about the fitness space, we talk about what's on our mind and what's occurring at our gyms, and in particular, we're talking today about movement standards, talking about a workout that I recently did, talk about this idea of the clock. Really, really interesting conversation about how a lot of us started with no clock, which is kind of, we're doing buys and tries, whatever, then all of a sudden we got introduced to the clock. And this idea of this idea is, is it better to go fast and move poorly or go slow and move well? Interesting topic. Definitely check it out. Before we get into it, I want to remind you about a company that we've been working with for quite a while now, Merrick Health. If you've listened to our other episodes, you've definitely heard us talking about Merrick Health. What they've done for me is they've been able to take our blood work, been able to analyze it and give me feedback on areas of how I can improve. And for me, you know, it was something I had dreaded doing for a long time. And now because of their white glove service, I'm able to do it more regularly. So I can keep track of not only how I'm feeling, but also then look at the blood work and see if it's improving as well. So if you want to check out Merrick Health and you've been on the fence about getting blood work, you can go ahead and check out the link in our podcast for the exact panel that I did and our team at NC Fit has done and use the code EOE for 10% off. Now, the team from NC Fit, Gabe Yannis, MDV. I always love chatting these guys. This is a great conversation. Let's get in it. All right, Gabe, MDV, and I, we were just talking about movement standards. And I'll, I'll kick this one off because it's fresh Ooh. on my mind. Yesterday, I was at um, our NC Fit Mountain View location, and we were doing a workout uh, push-out, right? MDV, it's push-out? Punch-out. Punch-out. And it's an 800-meter run. You come in, you do 30 thrusters at like a pretty moderately heavyweight, which for my, for me, it was 115 pounds, uh, thruster. For those of you that don't know, you put a barbell across your chest and you go down below parallel, you stand, you press over your head. It, it works a long range of motion, very powerful movement because it takes your body through such rain, long range of motion. And then you went into 30 lateral burpees over the bar. So what that would be is you drop down your chest and thighs, hit the floor, you stand up and you jump over the bar and you do that 30 times. So the workout was one round for time, 800 meter run, 30 and 30. And before that, we went, we worked up heavy as part of a Windler cycle on the back squat. So overall, really effective training day. I really liked it. So I finished the workout and this gentleman and I go out on the 800 at the same time. And he asked me, he's like, Hey, what's your target goal? Cause I want to pace off you. I said, my target is to come back into the room at three 30. So I want to run a 145, 400 meter splits. I ended up doing that. I, I hit my three 30 and he ended up coming in like 20 seconds behind me. So we finished the workout. He's like, dude, how did you do your burpees so fast? And we started talking about the standard and how I didn't stand up and how I kept my hips closed over. And I just kind of hopped over. And then we started talking about, do you do a one foot takeoff? Do you do a two foot takeoff? And part of me in my head is like, dude, I don't care what you do. Get your body from one side of the bar to the other. Let's just get in some great fitness and move on. But he was very intrigued on it. So we went off for like 30 minutes on the standard. So it's, it's just fresh on my mind because I, I do think there's a contingent of people that are, that get wrapped up in this idea of what is the movement standard for the workout. When the reality is go out there, put in your best effort. If you jump off with two feet, jump off with one foot, it's all good in the gym. Now, when you're competing, it's a completely different situation because it needs to be fair. I think that's really important. I think that this is a great place to start this discussion, by the way. Um, boom, so, boom. <laughs> yeah, this is a, this is fa- first of all, really great short sprinty ish kind of workout, right? It's probably going to be like for most people in the 10 minute range around there, 10 to 12 minutes. I know Jason was below that with a score of 720. I think some of the absolute fittest people in the world, if you put them into that workout, they're probably below 720. So it's, it could be a pretty quick shot out of a cannon type of workout for some people, but for you know, most human mere mortals out there, probably in like the 10 to 12 minute range. And just to clarify, I think intent of the workout and the setting of where you're doing the workout matters a whole lot. You already hinted at whether or not this might, if this was a competition atmosphere, obviously there's a different kind of priority. You want to, if you're in a competition, you want to win the workout. That means you probably want to get the fastest score, the fastest time, by hitting the standards of the movement that are laid out for the competition and making sure that your judge is giving you the uh, appropriate yes or no calls if you're out of um, the standards. 
in the workout environment, you know, I think the intent of the workout obviously really matters a whole lot as well, because this, this workout is meant to be done at a little bit of a faster clip, right? You want to get in after your 800 meter run. And with the 115 pound bar, you probably want to move it in at least, you know, actually at most three or four sets. If you could do them unbroken, that's great. 30 reps at 115, 75 is very, very challenging. So you don't want to spend all day there, but you want to be moving kind of quickly. And then on the burpees, it's kind of like, I don't want to say all bets are off, but you're kind of sprinting to the finish, right? So the intent of the workout matters. Now, one of the things that I think about a whole lot is, should you move like garbage just to get a better score? And I think in the class environment, the, the, the answer to that is never, ever, ever move like garbage to get a better score. I think the, the fitter, quote unquote, fitter you are and the more kind of reps you have under your belt, you might be able to play with that line of like, oh, I'm going to move as fast as I can while my mechanics still stay pretty darn crisp. If you're newer to this stuff, if like you're just kind of figuring things out, the priority is get your mechanics dialed in and then, of course, get consistent with them and then add the speed and the, the load after that. But for the people who are kind of just like everyday gym goers, man, I think like what you want to do is you want to make sure you're moving really well at, at the intent of the workout, at the speed and the load relative to who you are based on the intent of the workout. So you want to see people hitting a full range of motion squat during the thruster and bringing it all the way up and overhead. Do you have to pause there? All, you know, all that kind of stuff? Probably not. But you don't want to just be like a train wreck out of control. And then for the burpees, like the intent is to move fast there, but you still want to be getting all the way down to the ground and getting up to jump over the bar. Then we can talk about the standard of the burpee and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, that's kind of just my two cents initially in this discussion. Man, I, it's, it's so interesting because, you know, I think we've all, I know I have, you know, gone through this evolution of a time where like the score was life, man. Like, like your spot on the leaderboard in, in, in class, in the workout, in like your social circle, you know, like I had years where like my best friends, the relationships that I was like, you know, like even like, you know, girls that you were like trying to like, you know, get friends, like my world revolved around the gym and like, in many ways, your performance and your status and your score there was like a big piece of like who you were, you know? And, and I, I know this might sound like a little dramatic, but I know a lot of people out there can relate that we went through years where like, man, like my day would be ruined if like a workout was programmed that was like kind of in my wheelhouse and I fell short of like what my expectation was to be on that leaderboard. Like I would just be in a terrible mood. And I'm not saying that that was by any means healthy, but it was, it was just, you know, a part of like the culture of the time. And, and I, I think back very fondly of that time. Like, I think it was like some of the funnest times that I've had in, in that like time in my life. And I'm sure that Jason, obviously very different because you were competing at a completely different level, yeah. but I think it, it, it it's kind of the same, but I think that now, and to tie to your point, MDV, there were definitely times that if you were to watch like a video of me doing a workout that like, sure, I crushed the score. Like, yes, I was doing everything by the standard because we did have like this cool culture where like we would call ourselves out if you weren't doing things that were like per how it was ruled, right? Like not squatting to full depth, not getting lockout, not getting your chest to touch the bar. But like, was I moving like well? Absolutely not. Like I was trying to get as many reps done as quickly as possible. Um, so I, I, I mean, I think it's part of the nature then, but again, like, performance and my score was just really important to me back then. I think that that's fine if people have that goal now. I'm just in a yeah. different place now. Like, I'm in you know such a different place. You know what's interesting about movement, though, just to kind of pause here for a second, is that I actually don't think they're mutually exclusive. So I actually don't think you could say, okay, I want to go really hard. And because I'm going so intense, my technique has a tendency to break down. Or um, on the other side, I'm going to go slow and have good mechanics. Because you look at someone like Rich Froney, he's a really great example of this. He can move at high intensities, at, de at pretty high speeds, and he still moves pretty damn flawlessly. Now, me, on the other hand, I can't say that same thing for myself. And I'm, I'm raising my hand. I just went at it. 
but it's interesting because where intensity and technique have been kind of uh, blended for so long in the examples like a Rich Peroni or even a Matt Frazier, you watch these guys move and you wouldn't say any of their movement is sloppy. I wouldn't. I don't know if ever in my life, ever, and I, I've watched a lot of Rich Froning in person competing with him. I don't know if I've ever seen him get super sloppy on anything. I almost think the better you get, the more your body wants to reinforce good mechanics because that's the most efficient way to perform that movement and it'll lead to longevity. Interesting thing thing to think about. I hadn't thought of that much. For for sure. I, I mean, Rich is a shining example of somebody who's expressing intensity, but also virtuosity of movement. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I, I know that there's been a couple of videos that came out recently in which there was some stuff that one of the kind of personalities in the space was looking at one of Rich's videos and kind of like picking apart, but also like that's the nature of a competitive arena in a in a sport too is like you the incentive is to ride the line as close as humanly possible to get the highest level of competitive advantage like that's what you do in sport like you, the goal in sport is to win you don't want to cheat but you also don't want to put yourself at a disadvantage so like if your judge is giving you like a little bit more leeway on a higher squat that's not your fault it's not your fault to squat. Let to it ride. Let it yeah. ride. It's like a strike zone in baseball. There's subjectivity to some of this stuff. Yeah. I think where, you know, I get kind of hung up these days is in the gym environment where you have everyday athletes coming through the door, you know, members, clients coming through the door. And those individuals who don't have aspirations to compete, who, who it's not in their goals it's not, you know, something that they should aspire to based on where they're at in their life or whatever. Those individuals, I think, could benefit from looking at some of these workouts and going, I'm going to move as well as I can with a, a relative level of speed and load that still gets me to the intent of the workout. But I want to prioritize moving well, because <clears throat> what's the exercise benefit if you know, that individual who doesn't have aspirations to compete, if they're moving at 90 or hundred percent of their speed and, you know, the technique, the mechanics are breaking down, maybe they're not feeling the movement as much. There's no mind muscle connection. They get maybe a little bit more cardiovascular stimulus out of the workout because they've gone faster. They've done some more work, whatever. They get a better score. If they take 15% off, they take 10% off intensity wise, speed wise, load wise, whatever. And they are now moving better they are feeling the movement more they have a better mind muscle connection like they actually feel the fucking barbell on their shoulders when they squat down to the bottom and then they're driving up they feel the the quads and the hamstrings and the glutes engage as they go overhead they get a worse score on the workout but who got a better workout like who physically got a better workout that day and in my opinion it's probably the person who felt the the movement more who took 10% off to move better and still got a really great cardio stimulus out of the workout. Maybe didn't, they didn't have 180 heart rate the whole time. Maybe it was like 150. But I think that person probably wins, quote unquote, in my opinion, based on a fitness stimulus. Well, yeah, go ahead, Gabe. Well, I was just going to say, it, it, it comes back to something that we were actually talking about the other day, MVV. And I think that it, it's this idea that, you know, this this culture of, CrossFit, you know, where we all came from, you know, for a long time, we were kind of sold this story that you're, you looking better and feeling better, which we talked about this last time is what I think most people really want from fitness, right? You want to look better. You want to feel better. That's truly, I think if you, if you peel back the layers, what's at like the base of people's motivation to go work out. I think that for a long time, we were sold this, this line that you climbing a leaderboard was correlated to those goals going in the right direction. And that's what happened to a lot of people because this was new and you started doing it and your Fran time went from 10 minutes to five minutes. And you also probably lost a little bit of weight and felt better because you weren't doing any of this type of fitness before. And you were probably eating better because that was a big part of like, you know, CrossFit in the early days. But I think that like what we've all learned now is that there's a point where, you know, first of all, correlation doesn't equal causation, right? Like it's not like, 
you climbing this leaderboard is the reason that you're getting feeling better and looking better. And you also get to the point where like, you know, is you going from a three minute Fran to a two thirty Fran going to correlate with you still feeling better and looking better for a lot of people. I know for me, that hasn't been the case, you know, like I think that now if you were to look at my quote unquote benchmarks, they're definitely not where they were a year ago, but I honestly think that I feel better and based on my goals look better now than I did two, three years ago. One thing I wanted to kind of add here. And by the way, I should note, like, you know, if you, if you have aspirations and goals, if you talk about look better and feel better and part of feeling better is accomplishing goals and you had set out your goal to get a two minute Fran and that's like your goal, dude, it's, it's, I've also been in that position where I think that goal setting is really important. I just think we need to look at it through a different lens than maybe we looked at it 10 years ago. But one thing I did want to mention, and I think this correlates to jujitsu really well. And this is like fresh on my mind because in jujitsu, oh, jujitsu had to come it, in. Is, it had to had correlate to, to jujitsu. I, I have to, <laughs> because in jujitsu in particular, especially if you're stronger, you could get away with some slop. And in fitness, you can get away with some slop, especially if you have some like good midline stabilization, good strength. Let's just take, for example, the clean and jerk. I'm just using as an example. I remember I had this guy, he was a member years ago. He played for the 49ers and he came in and this guy was like strict reverse curling 225 and strict pressing, or maybe even more than that. And I remember one day he gets up to like 275 and he taps out. He, he couldn't do anymore. And I walk over there, I power clean it, I put it over my head, make it look super clean. And he's like, dude, how'd you do that? I was like, well, I've developed my mechanics, my consistency, and it's taken me a while, but I had to start with just a barbell and then I developed it over time. But for him, he was able to get away with so much for so long that then eventually he tapped out. And the same thing happens in jujitsu. So for example, if you're super strong and someone's in what's called like your mount, so they're basically like straddling your chest, it sucks. You could get away with a while just taking your arms and pushing the person. But if you find someone who knows what they're doing, they're going to take that push, they're going to spin around, and they're going to arm by your ass. And, and so it's a good analogy for even today, now in my jiu-jitsu journey, I've had to stop pushing, even if it works, because I know that eventually over time and with different people, it's not going to work anymore. So I should not be reinforcing those poor habits because eventually it's a dead end road that's going to lead me to getting either in this case, armbarred or in this case, tapping out at 275. So I think there's beautiful correlations there that I just wanted to share. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really good point to remember that raw, I mean, raw physical talent, strength or capacity or whatever <clears throat> cannot substitute forever for really solid technique solid technique the the way the movement mechanically is supposed to be done crisply and efficiently like that's a, a really huge lesson that i think a lot of people learn like that gentleman who's cleaning 275 reverse curling it and then strict pressing it first of all it's really fucking impressive because that's a huge amount of he was weight. The lineman for the niners he was huge i, I know who we're talking about I, yeah. he, I remember him he's a super nice guy um, but he'll, he'll, if, if he doesn't just level out there and that's the end of his development because he physically cannot move any more weight because his technique doesn't allow it, either that happens or he gets hurt because he's now moving something so heavy with less than perfect technique. And usually that's what happens like too much, too soon, too fast, or, or one of those things happens and you get hurt. So like, it's important to, yes, to remember your technique is you have to develop, develop efficiency. You have to develop the movement uh, mechanically to, to do it the right way. It will lead to higher numbers or faster scores, but also will keep you safe uh, more often than not versus, you know, poor technique. But coming back to like what Gabe was saying really quickly, the whole methodology of CrossFit in terms of intensity is based around power output. That's where the, the whole doctrine comes back to is that if you are getting more rounds, if you're getting more reps, higher weight, if you're getting faster times, they're saying that intensity is higher and intensity in the form of power output. And the way that they measure power output is they do a math equation that gets you there, whether they're measuring your physical levers 
They're measuring the length of your, your, your legs and how long the barbell travels from your from the ground to the shoulder to the overhead, blah, blah, blah. First, it's all fucking nonsense. That's what I want to get to. That's the point I want to get to because nobody is doing those equations. There is nobody who's doing those equations. And there's so many variables that go into that it, in terms of did you shorten the range of motion by shortening the amount of the squat distance? Like, you know, the old trick when the barbell's on the ground and instead of cleaning it all the way up and squatting underneath it, you just did a little mini squat underneath it. And then you got, you know, the barbell to your shoulders and you're doing a short range of motion thruster after that. That throws all of it off. Like the, the fact that power output has been used to correlate to a higher quote unquote fitness level does not make a whole lot of sense. You know, I, I think that that's where this all falls apart for me now is looking at like the only thing you're chasing in this environment is faster scores, better weights, higher rounds and reps. The incentives are all off. The incentives are just to go as fast as humanly possible. You move as much weight as humanly possible. We should be looking for the best workout for that person that day based on who they are, based on how they want to experience the workout, and based on what their goals are. Not just to put this one blind goal out there, which is go as fast as humanly possible. That, yeah, that to think, me doesn't make any sense. But I, just to kind of push back on that a little sure. bit, like I do think Please. one of the things that CrossFit did really well is they added in this clock. And that's where the, the denominator, right, of time becomes really interesting because it's force times distance over time, right? So, yes, I agree. Should you be, like, letting the wheels off? And, I mean, dude, I'm, I, I've been on video falling. Like, I, I've been there. It's, just not, it's not the best way to do it. But I do think what CrossFit taught me is, like, dude, for so many years, I was doing a little bit of buy, a little bit of try, rest 10 minutes. A little bit of buy, a little bit of try. And they at least introduced this idea of having um, – not purpose. That's not the right term, but like, like move with intention. And that's because there was actually now measuring, uh, your force times distance over time. So like for that reason, I'm super grateful because it's transformed the way that I trained forever because I actually started looking at the clock as a guide. Well, right. You know what I mean? Well, I'm going to push back on you here. So the, the clock, it, it puts people in a state of competition, right? And it can make your workouts more efficient because let's just say the workout is three rounds of 10 front squats, 20 pull-ups, 30 push press, whatever it is. If you're going at that workout uh, for time and you're trying to move through it as fast as humanly possible, if that's the goal of the workout, yes, of course, your heart rate is going to be jacked through the roof. And technically, are you performing the same work as somebody who takes their time and does five minute rounds really, really nice and crisply and cleanly, they do the same work, but one person has done it faster. And in CrossFit's point of view, that person has expressed more intensity and they have gotten a better result. What I am saying is that that might not be the case. That might not be true. It, like, yes, if your goal is to simply move faster, then you got a better result. But what if your goal was to feel the movements more or to actually feel the push press on the way down and develop, you know, more muscular, uh, more of a muscular stimulus. If you wanted to do the pull-ups strict and you really wanted to get lat engagement and hold your midline, then I would say the person over on the other side got the better workout based on their, their, their goal and what they had as their intention. You know, I don't think that like, listen, we have workouts that are for time in our organization. Yes, it's, it's fantastic way of training efficiently. That's the best thing for me in terms of like the clock in the room for athletes. I don't like the fact that it puts this unnecessary stress on people to move as fast as possible. I would prefer people to take a little bit off, slow down just a little bit, move better. And then, you know, let's evaluate if you want to go faster and add some more load. But is that on the coach? Oh, go ahead, Gabe. Well, I was going to say, I do think an important part to like to clarify is that I, I don't think anyone wants to feel the barbell or feel lat engagement, right? Like no, no one actually wants that. I think that it, it is important and, and it might feel like, you know, it's, it's kind of splitting hairs here, but I think it's, it's important because again, it just comes down to that. We know this, that that might be 
a better way to get to their end goal, which is again, look better and feel better. But I think that it's important to realize that no one wants to go in there and like, I don't want to feel this movement. anymore. I don't want to feel that my core is engaged on this pull-up. Just tell me what's going to get me to the six pack quicker and, and, and I'll do it. And I think that that's where the breakdown is because for a long time, what's been kind of hammered in people's heads is, well, the faster you go, the quicker you'll get to that goal where what we have to do is, is in a way communicate that, yes, the things that you're saying, being more aware of the movement, being more aware of moving well is going to get you there quicker or maybe not get you there quicker, but get you there with less of a risk of setbacks, injuries, burnout, so on and so forth. I think that that's kind of the important gap that we need to bridge. Um, but I do think that it's important to point out that I, I, I honestly don't think that anyone's going out there and being like, I want to feel this barbell better when I do the thrust. In a, in a, like a, in a high intensity workout, are you talking about like for strength and stuff? Um, in a, in a high intensity, just your gen, gen pop person going in and getting a workout. in. You know, yeah, like yeah. if anything, I think that like, they don't want to feel the bar. Like they, they're, they're people I think are also generally speaking adverse to, discomfort and i think that it's on us to find the fitness that like wraps the discomfort around in fun enough that it's something that makes them want to come back and continue to be consistent even though this thing for a lot of people isn't like like you know as as fun it is for us i think that we're the exception not the rule in how we view fitness on a daily basis yeah i'm not i'm also not saying that the clock is useless like i said i think the clock plays sure. an important role for efficiencies purposes in terms of making sure that like, Hey, we're, we're, we're getting a workout in, in an amount of time that some people might look at and be like, I can't, I have no time to work out. Like I think the clock plays an important role there. What I want to do is I want to decouple this madness of only looking at the workout for, Hey, the dogs are doing some sort of weird, like growling thing with each other. Um, I want to decouple this madness where, the only intent of the individual going into the workout is to get the highest score possible or get the fastest time possible. I still want people to understand the intent of what the workout is, which might be to move quickly or might be actually to move more slowly if it's a grind or a longer workout or find an, uh, a kind of uh, effective pace that they can take throughout the workout without these long breaks. But to also prioritize moving really well and to move really well, to do the movement the way that it's intended to be done, to get the most bang for your buck there versus moving like garbage just to go faster. I think that that's where I have the biggest issue with the clock is that the incentive now is just like, all right, I'm going to move as fast as possible to get through this. And potentially put myself into bad positions, which number one, you don't get all of the same benefit from the movement as you would if you were doing it correctly. And number two, you, you're putting yourself into a position where you might get hurt, a higher yeah. percentage chance you might get hurt. Yeah, I, I for one, so I see your point of view. I'm, I'm personally super grateful for the clock. I am. I think the clock has provided me uh, consistency for 15 years because it's provided like Ashley, my wife, my kids. We all use the clock as an indicator of like, hey, like every day, Ava's in there for 12 minutes. We're doing a 12-minute AMRAP. But I think it all relates back to the mindset you're approaching. So, for example, like with me in yesterday's workout, yes, I was going hard, probably a little bit harder because I knew that we were going to share it on social media. I didn't want to look like a clown putting up like a 20-minute time. But I didn't do as fast as I possibly could. I'm, I, I'm sure there was still some room there because I've matured now. And I think that's up to us coaches and athletes to realize that there's extremes on both ends. If you take an hour to do a workout that should probably take you 20 minutes because you're just, you know, distracted or whatever, you're probably not hitting the goal and the stimulus of what the, the intention is. If you're over here and you're screaming through it and you're redlined and you're laying on the floor like I was for a little bit, maybe that wasn't the intention either. I think now we need to just be a little bit smarter. And when you walk into a workout, say, hey, what's the intention behind this? For example, if you're using our NC Fit app, our NCX workouts, I think, are the greatest things ever. You look at the workout, you're like, all right, I'm going to go for 15 minutes. I'm going to hit that at 80% effort. When you're done, you should feel tired, but not feel like you have to lay on the ground for, for 20 minutes. And I think that's where we need to get to, where you're hitting it hard, but not so hard. Because um, without the clock, I don't know if you'd be getting as much of that. I, I think it's important. I was going to 
ask you a question and I'm, 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 I'm thinking about this as I ask it because I'm not sure kind of where I fall on, you know, thinking about our specific owned and operated gyms in the Bay Area. You know, we offer something that obviously, you know, and we might be biased, but we think is incredibly unique compared to what those same people would be able to do for their fitness solution in their, you know, in the area. Would, what I guess is more beneficial, because I completely agree with you. I think if we can have a client come in and they're going to move at an intensity that is appropriate to their skill level while moving well, and you know, doing all the reps correctly and, and, and really adhering to the mechanics that we want for them to be safe, that's the ideal. But I guess if you have two options, which one is the, the one that you would prefer? Someone that comes in and errs on the side of intensity, mechanics not super ideal, or someone that comes in and you know doesn't push it hard enough, right? Like doesn't go hard enough like if anything i'd be like move a little quicker like you know there's, for a while there's... or just like the first couple of weeks or we're talking like this is consistently happening yeah consistently happening because like what i come back to is the fact that you know i think that a lot of people if they're not coming to our gyms in the bay area or a functional fitness gym in general you know a lot of the alternatives are you know like a lot of like just stuff that isn't moving the needle for people and i think that they benefit from the additional intensity, even if that means that they're not moving great. And again, I'm not saying people should be doing something that's dangerous, but I'm saying if you were like, watch a video of someone and it's light enough that they're not going to get hurt, but sure, they're not moving amazing, but you know, they're, they're, they're trying to beat their friend next to them. So they're finally getting their heart rate over 160 for 15 minutes. Whereas otherwise there would be a 24 hour fitness, you know, watching a TV show on the elliptical for an hour. I think that that's still better. You know, and I think that it, it, it might even be better than that same person coming in and being like, well, I want to move perfectly. So I'm going to kind of take it slower. I, I don't know. I'm just posing the yeah. question. I'm still thinking about it as I pose it. I, I'm on the I'm on the page. I'll, I'll, I'm curious. Go ahead, MDV, and then I'll, I'll share my perspective on that. I would always prioritize mechanics over intensity. Always. I, I think that the person who comes on in and moves like garbage just to go faster is playing a really dangerous game. I think that number one, you're a hundred percent putting yourself at a higher risk of injury. Number two, I think that there's diminishing returns in what that person is getting out of the workout. The only, probably the only thing that they're getting out of that workout is a higher heart rate. They are taxing their cardiovascular system and their lungs a bit more simply because they're moving faster. They also have the glory of the higher score. Now, in terms of what I think more is more beneficial would be a person who's moving quickly, but also moving with sound mechanics. Because we do, with in our style of training, it's interval training. It's, it's high intensity interval training. And what that essentially means is that most of the workouts that we put out there have a period in which you work and then you transition to something else, which is the next interval. And you do that movement and then you transition to something else, which is the next interval. And of course, there's an endless amount of iterations and how we build workouts, but that that's what it is. That's what this kind of structure is. And it's based around essentially, it's essentially supersetting. It's essentially for efficiency and also to build an athlete who's able to perform these movements in quick succession and develop the capacity to do so without being completely on their ass because, you know, they're so gassed and they've never combined a weightlifting movement with a, a monostructural movement or a weightlifting movement with a body weight movement. That's really kind of what we're chasing. Now, I think that mechanics need to come back into the equation quite a bit more than the intensity needs to come back into the equation. I think intensity is, is kind of overplayed in my opinion. So I'll pause for just a quick second. I agree with you. I think intensity is more spoken about than mechanics. I agree. However, I want to go back to Gabe's question because I have a different take on it potentially than MDV where I'd rather have someone come in who's throttling it than someone who comes in and just cannot in between the ears get to the place where they could push at all. I'm, I'm talking about for weeks and months. I'm not talking about day one. 
I'm talking about after you get to know them better, they just cannot, they cannot get that discomfort because through that adversity, through that discomfort, there's so many benefits. I'd rather take that person that's too much and wheel them back than someone who can't get there and wheel them up uh, personally. And I, I think that as a whole, as an industry, though, I, I can't disagree with MDV. I actually agree with them where we've probably moved too far into the intensity realm. We need to kind of tone it back a little bit. But I also don't think we should go back to, you know, very little intensity. I think there needs to be there. I think there's a ton of value, not only mentally, but also physically from that. Some of the best adaptations that I've ever received, you know, are, are, are through intensity. I think you're seeing that through other programs. I mean, Barry's Bootcamp, Orange 3, F45, all of those are at a high intensity. Now, the difference is many of them, not all of them, don't incorporate high complexity lifts. So it does add a different characteristic when you're asking someone to do a high complexity lift at a fast speed. You know, I think the interesting piece to all this is, you know, I've, I've mentioned this, you know, I've talked about this many times here. I, I, one of the things that I'm like super passionate about now and like listening to every podcast I can get my hands on. NFTs? Well, that too. But the, the other thing is like really like the, the science behind fitness and training and exercise and kind of like what the research shows. And that I think plays one piece over here. I think that, you know, there is a disconnect between like, you know, these, these study settings and like the real world application of them. But an interesting piece is, and there was recently a post and I can't remember where I saw it, you know, the, the, the ideal breakdown of, you know, if you're trying to like, you know, work out for longevity is really hitting that like intensity, intensity once a week. And more than that, doing long, long cardio, like doing like conversational pace cardio. And I think that's interesting because, you know, even me a second ago was giving the person that's watching the TV show on the elliptical a hard time. But, you know, a lot of the research shows that there's, there's real benefit to that. If you're still incorporating resistance training two to three times a week, and you're still hitting that intensity once a week. So I, I, I think it's interesting because, you know, it, it goes to validate the fact that I think that for your average person that maybe is, you know, going balls to the walls five to six times a week, there could be actually a great benefit to toning it down a couple of those days and being able to really go after it one of the days again. But, and this well, is like, but we're in, also speaking in, from this perspective, right? Like we're sure. speaking from the three of us have all trained at high intensities for a really long time. And we maybe need to tone it back a little bit. Right. But what if you're on the other side, for example, Kelly and I, we went out to Germany and we were working with some physical therapists and Kelly's major takeaway was that these physical therapists are, are, were so much about talking about physical therapy and so much about like taking a band and band of distraction, but never did any form of like actual, like fitness and at a high, like even at a moderate intensity. So they were way over on this side and maybe we need to encourage them to get over here. Whereas I think some of us and a lot of people that are probably listening might need other days, the opposite, but I'm still a big fan of intensity, right? I still, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't get away from it. I love it. Well, listen, I think that it, it can be effective for people for sure. I, I, it, it's undeniably an effective way to train. It's efficient. You are getting a dose more than likely in most workouts. You're getting a dose of cardiovascular stimulus. You're getting a dose of uh, weightlifting. You're getting a dose of moving your body through space. So kinesthetic awareness. You're putting all of those things together in a really nice package. You're doing it in a class environment with your, with your friends, with your peers, with a coach who's there, who's passionate, who can help you execute the movements better if you're willing to take the feedback. You wrap that all up into a nice one-hour experience at an NC Fit gym, and fuck, you just had a fantastic overall experience, and you got some great movement in, and it's going to change a bit for you tomorrow, and that's what you really love about it. Hell yeah, I love that. That's like exactly what we do. I'm not saying that it's bad in any way, shape, or form. What all I am saying in this conversation is that to kill yourself solely for points on a scoreboard does not make sense. We, yes, we still want you to work out hard. We want you to do that at a, a pace and a load and a volume that's relative to where you're at in your fitness journey. And also relative to where you are that day based on what you have done the days prior, 
how your day might have went that day, what kind of emotional state you're in when you come into the gym. You might come into a gym. Uh, you might come into the gym on a day where it's a you know a punch out type of workout where we're going to say, hey, for 10, 12 minutes, you're going to really be smashing this thing. Like we want you to actually go hard today. We want you to try to connect as many reps as you can. That's the intent of this workout. You might go, fuck, I'm not there today. Like I don't feel like that's something that's right for me today. I wouldn't want you to do it at all. What I want you to do is something completely different. I would want you to do at, like, hey, go run the 800. And let's use a really light barbell and just come out for 30 reps and then, you know, do 30 pushups and get a really just great, easy, smooth workout. That's kind of where I want to, I want to be in this equation where yes, the, the clock is helpful for us for an efficiency sake and to also monitor the amount of time that the workout is going on so that the athlete can regulate their pace and their intensity in the workout based on their goals. But ultimately I don't want any of our athletes killing themselves for points. I think that that's, that's a waste that, that in terms of like what pushing movement out, that's really, really bad, really bad movement just to move faster, just to get through the workout quicker. Doesn't make any sense. It, it, it would be completely different if I was saying, all right, Jason, you're on the floor at the CrossFit games and it's you and Rich Froning and you guys are going to race to the finish here. And whoever wins this workout uh, is the CrossFit games champion. I would say do whatever do whatever it takes to win. You know, go to the ultimate kind of thinnest line on the standard. I want you to ride the line. If you get a no rep, who cares? You're still going to be moving faster than Rich at that point. Like if you get three no reps in a row, yeah, maybe make the correction. But like that's what I would tell you there. It's a completely different set of incentives. Yeah, 100%. And if you're training in the garage, right? And um you know, we did we actually did a really good YouTube video with the guys from Garage Gym Review. So if you're if you're listening out there and you train in your garage and you haven't checked out the guys from Garage Gym Reviews, I think they're doing a great job. They review a ton of different fitness equipment, in particular for home gyms. But uh, we talked about some of the pitfalls for home gyms. But I mean, this is an example of one, right? Where you need to go in there, you need to listen to your body after you warm up, and then regulate your workout, right? Go in there, put in your best effort, hit it hard. But uh, you don't need to, you know, kill yourself for points. In the words of MDV. Um, I still definitely tailor towards this side of killing myself for points, but I'm, I'm starting to regulate it a little bit better. I have a question for you guys. So um, in terms of like the competitive fitness environment, how much are athletes who are on video submitting scores for workouts, how much should they be held responsible for hitting movement standards if they have a qualified judge who is just like, Maybe giving them maybe a little bit loose there and, you know, the athletes going, Hey, I'm getting, I'm getting good reps the whole time, getting good reps the whole time. Should that athlete go back and look at a video and go, I probably could have gone a little deeper, but my judge was giving me these squats. Like, where do you guys think the line is there? I think the onus is on the athlete. I think the onus is on the athlete 100%, especially nowadays, if you're filming everything, I remember when I was filming workouts and I was getting ready for regionals or whatever, I would always have the same judge, this guy. And he, he was meticulous. And I, I wanted to be judged at the toughest standard because dude, the fact of the matter is this is like open regionals. This is qualifying events. If you're, if you're like trying to shave a 30 seconds off or 10 seconds off or five reps off, you're probably not good enough to qualify and do well anyways. Just hit the standard, move well, don't leave no doubt, right? That's the whole thing, like leave no doubt. And I, I was really about that. Um, and so what I would do is I would have, sometimes I'd have one person be my judge. I'd have another person, I think actually Pat Barber did this for a few, me for a few times. He would just kind of be in the corner, just observing, making sure that people were all moving kind of within that realm. And if he saw something really specific, he would bring it up either later on or whatnot. And I think that was really important, man, because you don't ever want to put anything out and leave any doubt in anybody's mind. Because the, the fact of the matter is, if you're that good, you probably could have gone a little extra inch or done an extra rep and still qualified. You're not at the games. If you're at the games, now you're having a different conversation. That's where you kind of eh, you get a little, you, you skirt where you can. Well, I mean, I think the interesting piece there, Jay, is that I think what you just said there of like, all right, well, when you're at the games, like, eh, there's a little, you know, you, you try and get everything you can. 
But I think that that line like moves for a lot of people. And for a lot of people, like the open might be their games. The quarterfinals might be their games. They're like end goal, like in their head, like the thing that means most to me is whatever their next level is. And I think that, you know, it's, it's just a, a, and this happens in all sport, right? Like in all sport, there's a point to where like, you know, you look at the rule, but then you also look at like how the rule is being enforced and you play within that risk rule, risk reward, like calculation. That's all it is. Like if I know that, you know, videos aren't being vetted super carefully, or even that if I miss two reps, like the penalty is like, it's, it's just, it's worth me doing it because I'm going to get 30 seconds less. Like, can you really fault the athletes that are just making the decision based off of like, there, there's a, a, a penalty that's in the rule book and I'm making a decision based off of the percentage that I'm going to be penalized or not. Like I'm just making the choice. I don't know if you can necessarily fault people for that. It's just, it's sport. I, I, I agree with Gabe on that, where it's like the athlete's job is to, to win. Right. And within the rule set without, you know, having things that will, you know, competitively give you an advantage of like PEDs and like things that are banned. Like if there's banned behavior that's going on, that's a different story. But if you're, if you're within the rules or if you know that there's a penalty and you're like, fuck it, I'm taking the penalty and I'm just going to do the thing that I'm going to do. And I'm still, that will still get me to win. That's the rule set. That's the rule set's fault, not the athlete's fault. But the athlete has to be okay with submitting their video and then whatever happening happens. Like, I like the idea that you said, hey, it's on it's on you. Like, I'm, I'm leaving no doubt because I don't want to be called out. I don't want to have CrossFit hit me up or whoever the governing body is hit me up and be like, hey, you're actually DQ'd because you didn't hit depth on any of these things. So there's another layer to this discussion, which is the governing body when you're in a competition like this, looking at these videos and reviewing them. And remember the nonsense like a few years back where it was, I forget the athlete, was it Brooke Wells? This was, this was, a, this was a fucking abomination. There was an athlete, it might have been Brooke Wells, who submitted a video on a handstand push-up standard it was. where, it, yeah, this was crazy. This was crazy to me. I'm getting all fired up because like, I just don't, it's such a double standard. It's so, it's so, there's so much hypocrisy. They said that they were going to not assess a penalty. The governing body was not going to assess a penalty against her, even though she was outside of the standard because she demonstrated that she had the physical capacity. If she was hitting the standard to get the reps to stand that to me is crazy. I cannot believe that, that those words were uttered by somebody who was governing the standards of a competition. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of the, the, you know, that's going to continue to occur, right? You're having new events come up, new movement standards come up. It's going to continue to be challenging. And I would just say for anybody who's trying to compete, leave no doubt, be that guy who just like, you know, like looking back on my career, like, I think that I was, I, I throttled it. Um, if I could do it over again, I mean, there's little things I would do a little bit differently. I'd probably want to move a little bit better, but at the time you're just saying, fuck it, I'm just going to do whatever I can. But when I watch someone like Rich or even in my videos, like open videos and stuff, like you want to be so dominant in your performance that someone looks at you just like, dude, that guy hit the standard by far, like, like without a doubt, because that also kind of gets into your competitor's mindset, right? When they're watching a video of you and you're just flawlessly hitting full range, there's something there because none of these guys, especially if they're at the top, should care about what it's like to get to the to the actual qualifying events. They should be good enough. Maybe they should be able to breeze through this stuff. So their intention to be to look hella sharp with their competitors gets in their head and they could also be proud of it later on. And they can leave no doubt that they should be at the games because then later on or the regionals, you know, what if a judge comes in and looks at these videos and you get assessed a penalty? That sucks. Subjectivity is a part of every, most, most every professional sport. There's a level of subjectivity from, the referees or the umpires and stuff like that, you know, in baseball strike zone is a subjective measure, you know, in, in the for NFL now. Oh, for now. Yeah. For now they're going to, yeah, all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, but so I, 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 listen, I think that that's part of the game that you might have a judge at one point who gives you more leeway and that you have another judge at another point who gives you less leeway. Um, 
I don't, I'm, I'm still caught up on this. Like where I, where I draw the line is like, you cannot, if it's very clear that the athlete is outside the standards, how could you say that person has the capacity to complete the movement? So we're going to give it to them. That's like saying the, the team in the NFL didn't get the nose of the football across the goal line, but we know that oftentimes they have the capacity to do so. So we're actually going to give them the touchdown. It makes no sense. I don't it's know crazy. if there's, I mean, I, that might have been a single situation. I haven't heard that. <laughs> but I don't stay up on one it. One time is why. Yeah, I don't stay up on it enough to make a you know to know. What's up, Gabe? Well, I was just gonna say. I mean, is it is it far fetched to just you know call a spade a spade and be like, hey, Brooke Wells is one of the most exciting athletes in the fucking competition. Like, there's there's a lot to be gained from her being at the games. There's a lot to be lose if she doesn't make it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think the the movement standards and whatnot is going to continue to be a you know a, a subject of contention until uh, until some things start to evolve and change. There's been so much change in CrossFit. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, um, for me when I was competing, it was the Open, the Regionals, and the Games, and that's why the Open wasn't that big of a deal because if you were not good enough to qualify for Regionals, like, like. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the open, I would rather have taken a worse score and moved just perfectly and left no doubt because I knew I should qualify top 50 in my region. If I didn't get close to that, I shouldn't even be anywhere in the CrossFit space anyways. Right. But now if you got people kind of going through these online training that you go through semifinals and quarterfinals, maybe then you start getting closer to that cusp, like you're saying MDV and that becomes you know, maybe you start skirting the line more and more and more. And then, and then, you know, you got, I feel bad for these judges, right? These are like your friends, you're in the gym together and you got to be the one. And so you see them kind of skirt and you're like, ah, and then you don't want to say anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's, I mean a, that's a whole nother discussion, you know, in a, in a worldwide competition like this, where you have just like an endless amount of people who are submitting videos, like there's no way to put professional judges on everybody's video. They have a review phase yes of course but even that would be really tough even at the next levels historically like remember regionals and sanctionals and stuff like that like those were not professional judges those are just like volunteers the only level of competition that arguably ever had professional judges you could say was the games and that was because they had a lot of the red shirt trainers yeah, the seminar staff. staff members right and they had yeah you know, Adrian Bosman and Chuck Carswell and all these other people who were really good at enforcing, this is exactly where the line is. And this is the briefing was like top notch and they tried their best at the lower level, but it's fucking hard, man. I'll, I'll give it this man. Like at, at the games level, like I never felt slate. I never felt like someone, I always feel like it was a, it was a, uh, confident field field of judges. Yeah. Yeah. Always. I never once felt like, um, like it was incompetency or you had someone that was really giving something egregious and someone else not. I think in general, you know, everybody got a little here and there, every blue moon, but in general, everybody's on the same playing field, which I think is really important. And especially if you've been competing in the sport for a long time, you, when you get to that level, you know, you don't want to lose because of a judge, but I would always put that back on me, right? Like if I lost because I got a no rep or because of a judge, that's 100% my fault. I was not good enough. You should never lose because your judge calls you a no rep, then you, you, that's your fault. I like that. I think that that's a really fair point that like the athlete, especially at that level has to be good enough to adapt. Like, let's say you have a stickler of a judge. What are you going to do? Like get no rep 50 times in a row and then complain? No, like you have to be able to change your movement like that to the standard. And you should have been that close in the first place, MDV. Yeah. Like, or whatever. Yeah, should, exactly. Yeah, like you should have, you should have been so dominant in your performance that a, a referee should have nothing to do with you winning or losing was always my mentality. Like you should just, you know what I mean? You should be so far ahead that it should never matter. And if it did matter, then you did something wrong, you know, minutes earlier in that workout. You know what I mean? I mean, and, and maybe that's just me trying to convince myself that that was the way that you took what was in your control, right? Because the referee and the judge is outside your control. But what's in your control is being so dominant through your performance that, um, that, you know, they can't impact you. But, Anyways, I, look, I, that's one of the reasons why I also think some of these other events are getting some um, notoriety. Um, there's this uh, one event. Um, so the Go Rug Games happen. There's another event where it's you perform an activity and you run a, a, a 
you run a 1K. Perform an activity, run a 1K. Have you guys heard of this? It's 10 1Ks. High rocks, have you heard of that? I have not. Um, I, I think it's called high rocks. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, H Y R O X. Um, high high rocks. I, I could be totally butchering this. High rocks. High rocks um, uh, fitness challenge, and basically it started out of Europe. And uh, anyways, my sister's doing one. That's the only reason why I knew about it. Oh, cool. You know, it's interesting, interesting now. It's interesting to think about my own kind of journey through fitness now and kind of being on the opposite end of the spectrum. And I've really been enjoying getting to like getting into bodybuilding specific training now. You might not be able to tell if you're watching on video. I'm wearing a size large shirt, so it's a little deceiving. Oh but, my god. Um, you need to you have that tank top Tuesday, baby. But you know, like in, in my training now, like just the other day, you know, I'm doing rows. And I'm, 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 I'm so focused because, you know, I'm trying to get wide. I'm trying to have to like walk into a, a doorway sideways, but I'm so focused on like engaging the lat and not the bicep that, you know, I'm like, I'm like Ariel, like, you know, like touch, make sure this is engaging. Like I'm taking video, like that's kind of the level of, you know, mind body connection to some of these movements. And I also just obsess about things. It's, it's a blessing and a curse, but like that's the level of like slowing things down and thinking about the movement that I really appreciate from that type of training, because in that type of training, like that's how specific you're trying to be, right? Like you're doing a row to engage the lats and it's very easy to like have the bicep help you out if you have a weight that's a little bit too heavy. So taking the bicep out of it is something you have to be super conscious about doing it. You can't, as soon as you stop thinking about it, you're going to go back to old habits. So it's been it's been interesting to go through that evolution and now just how how focused I am with like the movement and the intention and what it is that I'm trying to target right now, this second, this rep, this set. I like that. That's, that's from NC Flex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I should note like you guys, I love the fact that like you're exploring, engaging, like Hani Ramba was a really good person to show me that for the first time. Uh, I'm definitely still on this side though. I'm still yeah. on the grip it and rip it. Uh, I don't know if you need to get any bigger, big guy. It's fine. Oh, You're yeah. Fine. You keep I'm gripping still, and ripping over there. I'm still let, gripping let, and let ripping us, on a daily basis. Up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if this uh, comes back to like what we started the conversation with at some point where it was like, depends on your goals too. Like if you are looking to build a like physique around bodybuilding or like a bodybuilder's physique, like my muscle connection is really important. And, you know, having a uh, high, 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 high level of intention is really important. If you're looking to be an overall capable athlete that can do a whole lot of stuff that can, you know, go short, can go medium, can go long, that, you know, is not modal specific that, Hey, I just want to look better, feel better. Maybe more general physical training or um, interval training is a better option for you. I'm doing a bit of both right now. You know, what I found after doing about a year of NC flex was that like, I started getting a little too bulky for my own liking. Like I felt like I was lumbering through life in a lot of ways. Like it just didn't feel athletic and limber. So, you know, for me right now, I, I, I train three days of NC flex, but I really have pared down the volume a little bit more and adding in some steady state cardio and some more interval style training to stay athletic. But I also still like, obviously like to have a, a feel of a like a nice body and like a looking good and all that kind of stuff. So I still do some bodybuilding stuff, but definitely balancing it out a bit more. Hey, at the end of the day, like we go through evolution. Um, I just like getting after it. And I know you guys do too. And you know, your goals and aspirations change. And I think that's what's healthy, right? We all are doing different things that might, you know, maybe we do a six months of this. Like, for example, I'll be getting ready for the rogue invitational. Chances are I'm gonna have to redline a little bit more and that's okay. Right. That's in October. I'll have a great time with that. Then after that, maybe we'll go switch up. Maybe I'll do some bodybuilding with MDV, you know? So anyways, guys, hey, by the way, that uh, that high rocks concept uh, has skier, slight push. Check it out when you guys get a chance. It finishes up with uh, 100 wall balls. So kind of interesting. Um, but on that note, it is, uh, it's Thursday when you guys are all listening to this. I hope you guys have a phenomenal weekend. Uh, Gabe, MDV, any any parting words? I know uh, Gabe is about to go hit up his M NFT conference. He needs to get back and tell us the secrets to making a gazillion dollars on crypto. 
no, 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 no secrets there. I'm, I'm super excited. I'll definitely share with you guys the, the experience, um, next week. Um, yeah, yeah super excited. I'll, I'll also share with you guys a funny anecdote while we were recording this. So if you guys have been listening to the podcast, obviously, you know, that we started a farm, we have a whole bunch of animals and it's crazy, but we like one of our female ducks, like disappeared for a couple of days. And apparently she's outside of Ariel's office right now. We're both on call, so we can't do anything about it with 10 ducklings. We have male and female ducks and we originally got them for eggs, but they fly. So we have no idea where they lay the eggs. And now there's 10 ducklings. So we now have 10 more ducks that we didn't really plan for. So what that'll be my afternoon. Probably catch them and put them like somewhere safe until they get big enough because of the dogs can't have little chick, little ducklings running around. So that'll be my afternoon. We catching mm -hmm. ducklings, getting them safe. I am, uh, I did jujitsu today and, um, uh, I've been loving, loving jujitsu, especially coming back after COVID. Um, we were working full guard today and then we did a lot of live drilling and then did some live rolls afterwards. And I'm just going to stretch and hit the sauna and that's going to be it for, uh, for fitness today. I got a bunch more work I got to do though. My boss is a real, real stickler. So I don't know. They might not be talking about me. I don't know. It's probably Matt Walker. Um, Hey, so, uh, yeah, today Caden's got his uh, his playoff game. So wish the Giants luck because if the Giants beat the Red Sox today, we head on to game two of the playoffs and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But that's happening tonight. And um, watch out for those Oakland A's, them. man. Those Oakland A's were nasty. Dude, the Oakland A's were playing strong when we were out there in, in little <laughs> that Little League double A. You never know what's going to happen. But hey, for those of you guys listening, really appreciate it. Don't forget. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review on the podcast. We greatly appreciate that. And if you have not checked out the NC Fit app, it's the world's greatest functional training app according to Garage Gym Reviews. Not us. Garage Gym Reviews gave us that ranking. So make sure to go check out the NC Fit app. Keep training hard. Keep getting after it. And we'll talk to you guys next.